I first want to thank everyone for the birthday wishes that you give me, cards and gifts. Appreciate it very much. And uh, we've lived to see another year, uh, another birthday. And so we look forward to being able to continue that on as time progresses. We've been talking about the Ten Commandments. We've gotten to the Ninth Commandment that says that thou shalt not bear false witness. You know, man in his history has made some very foolish laws. Did you know that in Pine Island, Minnesota, that a man must remove his hat when meeting a cow? A cow, C-O-W, yeah. That it is against the law in Pocatello, Idaho, to go around looking peeved and dejected. So, don't be walking around there with a frown in your face. That whoever peels an orange in his hotel room in California is breaking the law. These are just some ideas of some of the foolish laws that are still on the books today. It's against the law that a wife in Kentucky must have her husband's permission to move the furniture around in the house. I notice all the men agree. That every animal out on the streets in Berea, Ohio, after dark, must wear taillights. Okay? Every animal out on the streets must wear taillights after dark. That crocodiles must not be tied to hydrants in Michigan. That falling asleep in the bathtub in Detroit, Michigan is unlawful. That elephants in Natchez, Mississippi are not permitted to drink beer. Right? That taking a bath in the winter breaks an Indian law in Alabama. Taking a bath in the winter. That if a woman wants to buy a hat in Owensboro, Kentucky, her husband must try it on first. There are many, many more. Unbelievable. These are foolish laws. But yet these laws are on the books. And I've thought about a lot of these uh, probably were done back in the early 1800s when possibly that was something that needed to be put on the law books. But God's Ten Commandments are not like these laws. None of God's Ten Commandments are foolish like these. Because God's Ten Commandments cover the gamut of human activity. A proper interpretation of them meets every human need. But think as he may, no one can come up with an eleventh commandment that is not somehow comprised in these ten already. God knew what he was doing when he gave the Israelites these laws. And what a complete set of laws. And everyone wants to protect something that is very precious, whether it is our conception of God, 
the name of God, the worship of God, our relationship with our parents, our relationship with our wives or our personal property. We want all of these to be protected. But all of the ten laws are given to protect that which is precious to all of us. And this commandment was given to protect one's personal reputation. Ye shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, Exodus 20, verse 16. Now I want you, I want to introduce to you, not, not some foolish laws, but to a foolish family. The family of those who break God's commandment. Number one, we look at the father of false Witness, the father of the false witness. In John 8 and verse 44, he says, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is not truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is the father of all liars. Right? I mean, when you lie, you're acting like your father, the devil. You're never more like the devil than when you lie. And you are never more unlike the Lord Jesus, the faithful and the true witness, than when you lie. Satan has always been a bearer of false witness. First, we see him in the Garden of Eden slandering God. The very word devil means slanderer. Well, thou shalt not surely die. That's slander. Because God said, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 3 tells us that he confronted Eve and slandered God on a threefold basis. First, he slandered the truthfulness of God. In verse 1, he also slandered the righteousness of God. Verse 4, and then he slandered the very goodness of God. In verse 5. Now, not only do we find Satan bearing false witness about God before man, but next we find him slandering man before God. In Job 1, verse 6, we find that there was a day when the sons of God had came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan was also among them. Notice how Job is slandered by Satan. Does Job fear God for not? The implication is, is that Job is playing God for a sucker. That, he's, that he is serving God only for what he can get out of God. Well, the only reason that Job is serving you is because you're blessing him. You build up this hedge around him that, no, you know, no. Because when we read the end of the book of Job, we find out Job still, no matter what, loved God and obeyed God. It wasn't because God was blessing him. God was blessing him because he was obedient to him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he insinuates that God is not good enough for man. In Job, he's saying that God is too good for man. What a liar. What a deceiver. 
You will either find him slandering God before man or slandering man before God. But I thank God for Job because he endured and stood and did everything he could for God. God told Satan, he says, you know, you can take away everything that he has and he will still love me. And he will still serve me. And he did. I thank God for some of you because I know that you've been through some tough times in your life. I, you can't even mention them. Each one of us have had some dealings that we've had to deal with that there was nobody could help. But we dealt with them. But you didn't deny the Lord in that process. Your faith has been strong. You knew that God would give you victory. That kind of faith shuts up the devil's mouth. <coughs> Sometimes I think that God allows certain ones to suffer in order that the world might know that Christianity is real. And that we can be a Christian even when that sun is not shining. Not only did He use slander to corrupt a good man, not only did He use slander to criticize a godly man, but He also used slander to crucify the God-man, Jesus. In Matthew 26, verse 59, we learn that they had brought forth false witnesses in order to crucify Jesus. And these were encouraged and inspired by Satan himself. If you, want, if you want to be able to kill the Son of God, basically Satan is saying, if you want to kill the Son of God, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to bring about trials, but you're going to have to do it un unhandedly. In other words, you're going to have to do it in the middle of the night when they don't usually meet. You're going to have to bring about false witnesses that, that say that he did this, but he didn't do it. But that's the only way that you're going to be able to convict Christ of blasphemy, of, of the crimes that you have put together, that's the only way. Because He is God-man. Let me tell you something. When you decide to bear false witness, you put yourself in that terrible company of those false witnesses those judges, those scribes, those Pharisees, because ye are of your father the devil. And Jesus says that he is a liar and the father of all liars. But let's look at the family of the false witness. Who is this family of false witnesses? Well, we find that the perjurer is in this group. Moses said, Ye shall not bear a false report. Don't join your hand with a wicked man to do a malicious witness. And ye shall not follow a multitude and do an evil. Nor shall ye testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. That means that when you stand in a court of law, you better tell the truth. There's a purpose that they used to put your hand on the Bible and say, Will you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. 
It's interesting now that they don't do that. They don't put your hand on the Bible. And when they say, do you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, there is no so help me God. At least it was in the past courts that I've been in and have witnessed that. The perjurers in this group. A false witness can defeat the ends of justice. And if a man lies on the witness stand, he may rob a man of his, another man of his property. His time or maybe even his life. All because of a false witness. You may testify falsely in a court of law and pull the wool over the judges and the jury's eyes. But you will stand before Almighty God and be judged. And you'll be judged righteously. There won't be any false witnesses that will say, well, you know, I remember Charles doing this and that and, and so forth. And, oh, really? You know, God's going to say, oh, really? You, yeah, well, how did I miss that? No. God's not going to say that. I believe that if you perjure yourself and set a murderer free, God writes down beside your name, murderer. The rumor monger is among this family of false witnesses. Exodus 23 and verse 1 says, You shall not bear a false report. That rumors are so easy to begin and so easy to spread. They use the rumors to crucify Jesus. Why, it was rumored that Jesus was going to destroy the temple. Oh? Of course, Jesus was speaking of His body. <laughs> Maybe you're like the fellow who said that it's not me who starts all these rumors, it's the folks I tell them to. When a lady went to the hospital and the newspaper reported that Mrs. So-and-so had entered the local hospital for removal of a rumor. Of course, that was a misprint. <laughs> but would it not be nice to have such a hospital that would take away your rumors? Heard about a new minister who had just moved in and some did not like him. A rumor got out that he had come to the ladies' Bible class and that he had taken his wife by the arm and forced her to leave in tears. Hmm. This rumor spread throughout the church and finally he went to the pulpit and he said, I've, I've heard this rumor and I've had four things to say. First, I have never interfered with the choice of my wife. Number two, my wife did not even attend the meeting in question. Number three, I was not even at the meeting in question. And number four, I do not even have a wife. You see how rumors can get started? So easy. Another member of this family is the flatterer. I'm not talking about just an honest compliment. I mean, all of us like to be complimented and thank you for your compliments. But also, the machinery of this world would run much smoother if it were lubricated by the oil of appreciation. Right? But gushing flattery and insincere praise comes under the head of lies. You know, Solomon said, A lying tongue hates those that it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 26, 28. Man often flatters to further his own selfish ends. I mean, 
It is written that his speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Psalm fifty five twenty one. Another member of this family is the insinuator. Second Corinthians twelve twenty mentions whispering, right? Insinuator. There are some things that do not come under the heading of slander, but they can be just as dangerous. You don't have to actually accuse someone of evil, but you can just insinuate it and you just suggest that it might be so. And so doing, you often seriously injure one about whom you are talking. Another member of this family is the slanderer. James said, Do not speak against one another. Brethren, James 4.11 You see, slander and gossip are vile and a condemnable sin. But I want you to to beg you never. Uh, I want I want to beg you never to be at a party to gossip, gossip and slander in the church. The devil had rather start church people gossiping and slandering than to sell a barrel a barrel of whiskey any day, right? I mean, we need to pray. Oh God, set a seal upon my lips, so that I can be careful what I say, that I don't spread gossip and slander. In any way. To listen to gossip also breaks the spirit of this command. Someone has said that a slanderer ought to be hung by his tongue, and those who listened ought to be hung by their ears, right? Do not have gossipy tongues or ears. Another member of this family is interesting is the coward. Why? Uh, who does not speak when he should? That's a coward who does not speak when he should speak. You know, there is such a thing as talking too much, but there is such a thing as failing to speak up when you should. Right? If your neighbor is accused of some evil and you know he's innocent, and yet you remain silent, what what are you doing? You've borne false witness against him. When anyone's reputation is at stake, we ought to have the courage to speak up. Listen to the words of Moses in Leviticus 5.1. He says, now, If a person sins after he hears a public uh, adjuration to testify when he's a witness, whether he has seen or otherwise known, if he does not tell it, then he will bear his guilt. The fault finder, the unjust critic, are members of this family as well. The family of false witnesses. Jesus said, Do not judge, lest ye be judged. Matthew 7, 1. That means we're not to judge bitterly or condemn falsely or harshly in the spirit of maliciousness. We are never neutral. We always form opinions and appraise human actions, but we are never to spout out thoughtlessly our criticism and our fault-finding to anyone. One reason we find fault and criticize is that we don't know the facts in the case. You know, there are Three truths. Well, there are three things about the truth. There is what he said, what she said, and what God knows. You see. A man in a Pullman car could not sleep because of a crying baby for whom uh, another man was caring. 
He was taking care of that baby. The man just spoke out. He says, why don't you take that baby to its mother so the rest of us can sleep? I mean, that baby was crying. The man said, friend, he says, I wish I could. But you see, my wife, the baby's mother, is in the next car back in a casket. She has died. Her body's in that baggage car. And we're taking her back to her old house for a burial. Immediately, the other man was sorry. And in fact, he got out of his seat and he took care of that little baby so that broken-hearted man could get some sleep himself. If we understood all the circumstances, if we knew the burdens that the others were bearing, we might not be so critical, would we? The trouble with so many of us is that we look for the worst in others instead of the best. The hypocrite is also a member of this family. It means lying with your life. Many of you may not lie with your lips, but the way you're living is a lie. Many of those that we know. If you have a member, who, if you have one who has become a Christian and yet they're not living like one, but are attending and going through all the motions, they're living a lie, right? Do not live a lie. Resolve in your heart that since you are a Christian, you're going to live the Christian life. I know I'm talking to the wrong group tonight. Because you're here. But let's look at the folly of the false witness. Because Proverbs 14 and verse 8 says, The folly of fools is deceit. The most foolish thing that you can do is to be dishonest. And why is this such a folly? Well, it's so hurtful, right? We can never undo all the hurt. You know, we always have an opportunity to say something, but then we wish we had never said that. It's something that the Lord hates, Proverbs 6, 16, and 17. You're never more like the devil than when you lie. And the fate of the false witness is something that's interesting because where is this family going to end up that we're talking about tonight? In Revelation 21 and verse 8, it says, But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Matthew 25, 41 also says that he shall also say to those on his left, Depart from me, ye cursed, for I never knew you into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. That foolish family is going to have a homecoming in hell, right? And then Revelation 21 and verse 27 says, And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I hope that some of you have not been breaking this command with your fellow man. Or that some of you have violated it by lying to God Himself. You obeyed the Gospel. 
And you promised him that you would be faithful. And since this is still part of the beginning of a new year, you promised him that you would attend faithfully. Again, talking to the wrong group. But you promised him a certain amount of your income. You promised that you would then go and tell your family and friends what they need to do. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. By breaking this commandment, you've hurt others. You brought reproach to the cause of Christ. You soiled your own soul. And you lost your Christian influence. And what is the remedy for this? Christ is at the heart of it. Christ is at the very heart of it. You can never overcome this sin on your own strength. He alone can cleanse your heart and set you free and give you everlasting life. And he is lying, or Satan is a liar when he tells you that you can get away with it. Right? He's lying to you when he tells you that you have plenty of time. He's lying to you when he tells you that God will not punish you. But understand this. That you're only lying to yourself if you believe those lies. You're only lying to yourself. Realize in the knowing that God has done all that He can to bring about that opportunity for salvation. All the way from Genesis 3 and verse 15 to even today in the 21st century of January 14th, 2018. And then tomorrow, next week, and the week after, and the week after, and the month after, and the year after, Lord willing. But it's up to us to make that decision, to do things right. Now's the time. I, there's never been a better time than at the first of the year to make that decision. But, but even if it's December 1st, don't, don't allow that to keep you and say, oh, well, I'll wait until January 1st. No, do it December 1st. If it's June 1st, don't say, well, I'll wait until next year to do this. No, do it then. It's January 14th. If you haven't already done it, let's start today. Obey the gospel. Become a child of God. Live the Christian life. And as we said even this morning about that freedom that's in Christ, you also get to go to heaven. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Are you willing to repent of your sins, turn away from it? Are you willing to make that good confession? Be baptized. And then rise to walk in newness of life. God made it all possible. He put His Son on that cross, take our place, shed His blood, so that we could have that hope. If you're here already a child of God, you wandered away, come back. Be right, be restored back to that first love. Are you resolved? I am. No longer to linger? I hope you aren't. I hope that you'll not linger when you come forward to let it be known. I want to make the necessary changes now that are necessary. Won't you come? As together we stand and sing.